very good morning to you. And now on RTHK, it's time for Letter to Hong Kong with CY Lung, the former chief executive of Hong Kong and the vice chairman of the National Committee of the CPPCC. The following program is a personal view program. Dear Joe, greetings from Hong Kong. You said you have been confused by media reports about Hong Kong's national security law. I don't blame you. What you read in the Western media have a lot to do with geopolitics and little with the freedoms of the Hong Kong people. First, one country, two systems is alive and well. So are the freedoms that Hong Kong people enjoy. Those who claim that we're losing our freedoms will not swap the residency in Hong Kong for any city in the mainland of China, or for that matter, any other city in Asia. On the question of safeguarding national security, if not for the one country, two systems principle, the central authorities of China would have simply extended to Hong Kong the coverage of the national security laws that have been enforced on the mainland. So think twice when you hear Western politicians say that one country, two systems is dead in Hong Kong. Secondly, perhaps when critics say one country, two systems is dead, they actually mean that the autonomy that Hong Kong enjoys has been terminated by the Chinese government. Here, let's look at the basic facts. The autonomy that Hong Kong enjoys is not a full autonomy, as Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, once publicly claimed. It is the high degree of autonomy that the basic law confers under many of its 160 articles. And so far, no one in Hong Kong or elsewhere has alleged that the enactment or the substance of the national security law breach the basic law. I know this question has been asked. Why did the National People's Congress pass the law for Hong Kong by passing the Legislative Council? Is that not taking away the autonomy of Hong Kong? The answer can be found in Article 18 of the Basic Law, which states national laws shall not be applied in the Hong Kong SAR except for those listed in Annex 3 to this law. The laws listed therein shall be applied locally by way of promulgation or legislation by the region." Unquote. The key words are promulgation or legislation. The National Security Law has taken the promulgation route. Without going as far as accusing the Chinese government of breaking the basic law, some foreign governments have pointed their fingers at the 1984 Sino-British Joint Declaration. Let us then look at the Joint Declaration. There, one of the articles states as follows. The above stated basic principles of the People's Republic of China regarding Hong Kong and the elaboration of them in Annex 1 to this Joint Declaration will be stipulated in a basic law of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region." Unquote. Simple logic tells us that insofar as the Chinese government's basic policies regarding Hong Kong are concerned, there can be no breach of the Joint Declaration because there is no breach of the basic law. Let me stay on the basic law for a while longer. As part of Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy, at the time of promulgating the basic law, Hong Kong was given the autonomy and the responsibility of enacting its own laws to safeguard national security. This is found in the well-known Article 23, which starts with the words, the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region shall enact laws on its own to prohibit any act of treason, 
secession, sedition, subversion against the Central People's Government, etc. Unquote. In 2003, the first and only attempt to fulfill this obligation failed. Since then, the often used filibustering tactic of the pan-democrats meant that any attempt by the Hong Kong exile government to enact Article 23 laws would inevitably fail. In recent years, the pan-democrats moved the goalposts by insisting that Article 23 laws can only be enacted after Hong Kong has accomplished direct election of the chief executive. Indeed, as you remember, when I, as the chief executive, tried to reform the electoral system in that direction, the goalpost was moved yet again. The pan-democrats, with their Occupy Central supporters, wanted civic nomination of chief executive candidates instead of nomination by a nomination committee, which is the requirement under the basic law. They also wanted to do away with the power of the central government in appointing or not appointing the elected candidate. So for 23 years, Hong Kong did not utilize its autonomy to fulfill its national security obligations. In the absence of such laws, we have seen in recent years increasing threats to national security, particularly threats to the integrity of Chinese sovereignty over Hong Kong. Both the Chinese government and the people on the mainland are rattled. Hong Kong, as a whole, was seen as abusing its high degree of autonomy and allowing itself to be used as a base and recruitment centre of subversion. Such people as Jimmy Lai, who claim that they are being targeted by the national security law, label themselves as leaders in a pro-democracy movement. So let me say something about the nature of democracy in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is not a country. We are a city. But the powers vested in the chief executive are much broader compared to those held by mayors of London, Tokyo and New York, for example. Where do the broader powers of the Hong Kong chief executive come from? Not from the Hong Kong electorate. By appointing the elected candidate as it sees fit, the central government confers onto the chief executive additional powers. So it is the combination of the two mandates, one from the Hong Kong electorate and the other the Chinese central government, that gives the chief executive wide-ranging powers, and Hong Kong the high degree of autonomy. The pan-democrats wanted to remove the central government from this equation and maintain the powers of the chief executive. This is not democracy. It is secession by any definition. Are there other signs of relegating Chinese sovereignty over Hong Kong? Yes. The most recent example was attempt to frustrate the coming into force of the national anthem law. Filibustering by the pan-democrats wasted months. The goal was to frustrate the passage of the bill all the way into the summer when Lechko would finish his term. Now that the law has come into force, what's next? The opposition, ironically, has been as rowdy and apple-daily as anti-China as before, despite the claim of being targeted. Roy Kwong Chan Yu, a vocal Lechko member of the Democratic Party, happily declared that he had bought a brand new apartment for over 10 million Hong Kong dollars and would soon move out of his public rental housing unit. 
I'm glad that the five million Hong Kong dollars income that he will have received by the end of his four-year term as electrical member has been put to good use. Of course, he is not alone in the market. Recent offers by real estate developers have done very well. So much for the end of Hong Kong. You should be confused. As I said at the beginning, I don't blame you for it.